listener production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Welcome to another edition of the summer series of Morning Agenda, where we take a look back at the major issues that have set the agenda throughout 2022. Well, as we head towards the end of the year, in today's special episode, we're taking a look back at the financial roller coaster that was 2022 and also chatting about what the year ahead has in store. Are there more interest rate increases on the way? Will the job market tighten? And as millions of mortgage holders struggle to meet their new repayments, will the soaring real estate market finally crash as more Australians are forced to sell their homes? Joining us for his in-depth economic analysis on these important topics is Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Today, Scott will also share his important tips on how all of us can act now to prepare for what is certainly set to be a challenging year ahead. Scott Phillips, thanks for joining us. What a year. How would you best summarise 2022? Oh, it's harsh. Good morning. Look, it's one of those stories. I'm not sure where to go with with the metaphors. Roller coaster is the obvious one, but it's also been way well and truly overdone. Uh, year of two halves, to use the football metaphor, I go with that one maybe too. It has been a remarkable, remarkable year. We started off, I guess, in some sense of maybe blissful ignorance. There was some sense that we would have some inflationary challenges. The Yanks certainly had theirs in kind of October, November of last year. But we came into the new year hoping, expecting things would be okay. Of course, they got dramatically worse inflation-wise. And then on the flip side, we've kind of had some really good economic data right through that time despite that. So rates have been up, inflation's been up, but and that's bad enough, by the way. But the rest of the economy is actually pretty good. Unemployment's low, GDP's been strong. So it's been a very, very strange year. And Scott, of course, there was a lot of criticism of the RBA boss when he promised, mm. some may say, <laughs> or alluded to the fact that interest yes, rates yes. would not increase until 2024. Yep. How wrong the RBA boss was. But do you think yeah. that means then... Dr. Philip Lowe will not have a job for much longer, or do you think he's kind of a protected species at the moment? Oh, good questions. Hey, so look, Jim Chalmers, Treasurer, said he's going to use the results of the RBA review. There's a review going on now at the moment. A few academics are providing a, a report into the RBA, what should change, what's going well, what's broken. And that report's mid-next year, at which point Jim Chalmers said he'll use that report to determine whether or not Phil Lowe gets a second term. I'm not someone who goes for the whole bloodlust of a bloke made a mistake, let's crucify him, or a lovely made a mistake. In this case, I think the only question needs to be, now, by the way, the rest of the world made exactly the same mistake. The Americans said, no, inflation is transitory. The bomb said, nothing to worry about, it'll be fine. They all got it horribly, horribly wrong. So he was in pretty good company. My biggest, or my, my only question, if I was treasurer tomorrow, would be, is this guy the best guy to lead the Reserve Bank moving forward? Despite any mistakes or successes, is he the most qualified? Is he the most capable? Is he the right guy for the job? If he is, he should keep it. If he's not, regardless of what he's done well or badly in the past, someone else should be chosen to take over the RBA. Scott, it's an interesting chat because I heard a lot of uh, analysts actually questioning the whole measure of changing interest rates because basically mm. saying it's not effective anymore in really bringing down inflation and very quickly, and I even heard one person make a great point saying, look, there's a huge proportion of the Australian population out there that don't have a mortgage and are spending yeah. like no tomorrow some on credit. Yep. But the fact that, and then the other, of, other you know, tens of thousands, millions of Australians are paying up to, gosh, $1,500, $2,000 a month more on their mortgage. Do you think mm-hmm. interest rates work anymore in pulling down inflation? Oh, man, easy questions. Thank you. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so uh, 
they, they are, here's the challenge. They are the best tool that the RBA has. And I guess this is where I love the RBA being independent because it means they're free of political interference, which is really, really important. We know politicians will politic if they're given the choice. So it's great the RBA is independent. The, the, the kind of the, the next point, or I guess the, the natural extension of your point is the RBA has one tool. They're flying a biplane. They can go up, down, or stay where they are, and that's it. The, the, the federal government, or federal government's plural, you know, doesn't matter which political party, are flying an F-A-18, you know, Hornet or whatever. They, you know, they've got computers and weapons and, uh, you know, uh, ground staff and, and all those things, you know, million dials and switches they can do things with. And I think it's a massive mistake if we allow federal governments off the hook for responsibility for the financial and economic settings. Every month we say, what's the RBA doing? Are they doing it well enough? Are they doing it badly? Are they getting it right? Are they getting it wrong? Those are the right questions to ask of the RBA. But to assume, as you kind of imply with your question, it is the only solution or the only part of the solution or the only option, I think is a massive, massive mistake. And we are letting governments off the hook. I think, as you say, because we're so indebted now, since the last big kind of hyperinflation or high inflation period of the early 1980s, household debt has ballooned. And, so, and by the way, so is household inequality. So you're right, people with a lot of money think about some retirees, some on the pension are doing it tough, but some retirees self-funded or, or the richer end of town, the better parts of, of the cities and, and kind of suburbs around our country, um, those people are spending up big because they don't have a mortgage, they've got plenty of cash, uh, they've saved, they've invested, they're not being touched at all by this. And then as you say, the burden is being borne by a third of us who have a mortgage. It's a very, very tough and it's increasingly unequal to bigger economic conversation, but I actually take your point, I think you're right. Um, federal governments are going to have to come to the party with some better options around taxing and spending rather than hands off, look at the RBA. Even as I said, this RBA review, if Jim Chalmers does or doesn't rare point Phil Lowe, the reality of, you know, is he, is he the whipping boy for government failure of both the current and previous governments? Very, very possibly. I guess it sparks an interesting conversation yet again, uh, Scott, in regards to do we need massive reform within the tax system in regards to, okay, do we increase the GST? And then start not to use interest rates as much to try and cool the economy. Look, I think you're always going to need you're always going to need something that happens in the moment. So GST, if it goes up, and it probably should go up, frankly, with appropriate offsets and and um, uh, compensation for people who can't obviously afford to pay the extra prices. But it, when you put the GST up, it's, it goes up and it stays up. So the basis of interest rates and their 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 role, their opportunity is they can move counter cyclically, right? We can put rates up to slow an economy. A GST by itself doesn't do that. It becomes just a normal business as usual kind of tax, the same mm-hmm. as income tax and other things. So we need some mechanism to actually make things more expensive at the right times, make them cheaper at the right times when you want to add some money to the economy, like they did during COVID. the COVID crisis, of course. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we drop rates. That, But also, by the way, again, to your point, governments throw a whole lot of money at the economy to keep it going. The governments are supposed to, and this is, the, this is where, <laughs> talk about tax reform, in the old days, <laughs> I'm getting old, uh, you know, governments would actually then run surpluses during periods of really, What's really that? good economic... I don't know exactly what a right. is. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had one for years. I mean, you're entitled to have made a life for one, Tash. But, um, you yeah, know, this is, this is the challenge is they are supposed to run deficits in the bad times. That's absolutely appropriate. But you run surpluses in the good times to pay it back. Now, that's a whole different question about tax policy, but it also means economic policy, right? How do we slow an overheating economy? You run a surplus and you put rates up and those things should work together. I think we absolutely need tax reform. I think you're absolutely right. That's a very big conversation. But without governments of some sort of backbone who can say during good times, you know what, I'm not going to keep spending and make these things worse, because that's effectively what they did. They should have been pulling money out of the economy, both at the RBA level and the government level, over the past two years before we got to this point. Um, This is, you know, do we need reform? Yes. 
but do we actually just need governments to do the right things with the current system we've got? Yes. And so both those things, I think, need some serious attention. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. We've had a bit of a chat about 2022. It certainly was <laughs> yeah. a roller coaster year. Mm. Let's get out the crystal ball because all oh, of us dear. know what's going to happen next year. <laughs> There's right. a lot of predictions that a lot of people are going to come off those fixed mortgages uh, come January, yeah. December and fall mm. off a cliff. How are yep. we looking? And, of course, we've got the double whammy. We're going to have skyrocketing power bills, although the federal government mm. has promised they were going to decrease them. <laughs> now they're alluding to the fact it's only $200 a year. Mm. Majority of small businesses, that means nothing. Yeah. So how does the year ahead look in 2023? So I think we are, look, we're, you know, in 2022, we didn't know we were going to Uncharted Waters. This time we do. Uh, we are going to go into a situation where there's a very, very high expectation that Christmas is the last hurrah for spending. That once we turn over into the new year, the combination of eight straight interest rate increases and the reality we've run down savings, as you kind of mentioned earlier, means we're going to have to start taking some money out of uh, the just discretionary spending kind of category. And that potentially means an economic slowdown. There is a good chance, maybe not a, maybe not a probability, but a very high possibility of a recession, unfortunately, in 2023, because we simply are taking so much cash out of the economy, spend, uh, savings have dried up. What else do you do? You've got to start cutting back or keep cutting back further. And at an economic level, that probably is an impact. Although, as you say, the, the difference in, in uh, individual circumstances, those paying a mortgage versus renting versus owning their own home, maybe there's enough money sloshing around to keep things going. But we're going to see a lot of people in some, some serious pain. I'm really worried about those resetting mortgages, Tash. For those who've studied a little bit of recent history, that was the precipitation for the GFC itself. Now, I don't want, I'm, not, I'm not trying to draw a straight line between those two mm. things. But when the American subprime loans reset, they were called adjustable rate mortgages. They went from really cheap honeymoon rates to much higher rates. So they were deliberately sold that way. This circumstance is different, but the, the mechanism is exactly the same. All of a sudden, people who are used to paying, as you said earlier, $1,500, $2,000 a month less, you know, ratcheting up over eight months is still very painful, right? But we've had some time to get used to it. If you flip over in May next year or August next year from paying 1.88% to what it might be 6%, something like that, Huge at that point, it's a huge jump, and if people aren't ready for it, it risks the economy. It also risks their own home ownership. Uh, the RBA has been worried about this for a while. They were right to be worried. Uh, it is a very, very, very big bogey on the horizon for the economy. So, Scott, to prepare for what many are saying is going to be a really challenging financial year because the other big issues, we've got the increasing cost of living but also the controversial industrial relations reforms going through, which seems to be very bad news for a lot of small businesses mm-hmm. In regards to doing a couple of small things, we can, you know, we can't really cut back on a mortgage or increasing power bills. But what are the some yeah. things we can do to soften that financial blow next year? Yeah, really do it. Look, the uh, first thing I'm going to say is if uh, maybe sorry, it's not a small thing, it's not softening the blow. If you are going to be in trouble next year, do something now. Um, this is kind of the, the, the tough love, eat your broccoli thing. This is, you know, don't put your head in the sand. If you are going to get yourself into trouble because you can see the higher rates you simply can't afford or you're already digging into savings, putting money on the card, you can't see an end to this, now it's time to go and see your bank, see a financial counsellor and please get ahead of it. The longer you can get ahead, the further you can get ahead of it, the more you do in advance, the more options you've got before the bank manager comes knocking on the door and says, I need your keys, please. So, so please do that. In terms of things you actually can do, uh, first thing is just get, get a better rate. And it seems obvious, but uh, many, many, many Australians, most Australians don't go and get a better rate in any given year, which is crazy, right? There's money out there to be saved. You can save probably not tens of thousands, but, but high thousands of dollars a year for many people on, on the average mortgage, just by making sure you're on the best possible rate. So please do that. Um, the other thing is obviously make sure you know what you're spending. And again, it sounds obvious. Plenty of people are already doing it. 
Uh, but look at those things you don't need to be spending. Do we need 16 different streaming services? Probably not. The gym membership you don't use, either go to the gym and get fit or give it up and, and save a few dollars there. But also, too, think about the ones that get a better rate. Think about those other things that you spend money on you haven't checked for a while. Think about electricity. Think about water. We know we're talking about power prices. How, how long has it been since you shopped around for the best water rates, the best gas, the best electricity? All those things are really important. But even insurances, home insurance, car insurance, do a bit of a stock take over the summer break and say, what am I spending? Where is it going? And what can I do with that money? I think you'll find you can save a, a pretty penny just by making a little bit of an effort. You probably do it at home on the couch with Google in front of you. Some great tips as always. You have a very Merry Christmas and wishing you all the best for 2023. Scott Phillips Thank from you, The Tasha. Motley Fool, thanks so much. Thanks, Tasha, you and to your listeners as well. Listener.